0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing
2: are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Over the last couple of years, you may have heard me mention in passing that I host a talk show called Long Night with Vish Khanna once a month in Toronto as part of the Long Winter Multidisciplinary Arts Festival that myself and a a group of other people in Toronto helped put together to get over the winter blahs or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, from November to March, we do a thing at the Great Hall. Toronto, it's called Long Winter. And last year, we started doing a talk show that I do. It's called Long Night with Vishkana, and it's structured exactly like your late-night TV talk show with the desk and the guy in the suit. One twist, the host is a minority. That doesn't really happen. Anyway, so we do the show, and it's been really fun, and people seem to be enjoying it, and I like doing it, and it's really fun. I asked my friend Dave McKinnon to actually document the most recent episode of Long Night, and that took place on January 9th, 2015, at the Great Hall. And my guests that night were uh, puppeteer and comedian Freddie Revis, stand-up comedian Aisha Alpha, McLean's Magazine senior writer Ann Kingston, and musician The Weather Station. The Weather Station was just on the show as an interview guest, the creative control show I mean. So, we document the show, and I i gotta say, I'm feeling a little off the whole day. I'm not myself. I actually was nervous on the way in to do the show on the drive. Like, I just had a pensiveness that I don't normally have. Something was not right. So, I'm not the most pleased with how I did during the show. No one seems to have noticed it, which is fine. Um, but I just wasn't myself. And then, stupidly, for a guy trying to record some kind of live event for a podcast... I kind of front-loaded the show with a few elements that didn't really make sense for an audio podcast. Normally it's a talk show and we do comedy bits and we do a bunch of stuff and it's interview-based and the whole show, I think, would be suitable for this show, the podcast. But this particular episode wasn't. At the beginning, Freddie did a puppet show and it's all just... He did it... uh, there's this thing called Lamb Chop, and he did these really demonstrative puppets, these these, these lambs, <laughs> that uh, uh, did a choreographed dance to the Michael Jackson song "Man in the Mirror." That was the very f- that was the second thing actually. The first thing was a video segment that I came up with with my friend Roberto Granada Socan and it's called "Nice Racism," where we went into the streets of Toronto and got people to say nice things about uh, other races, which is in itself, in itself racist. It's, that's the joke. And it was a pretty good bit. We were kind of fine-tuning it, but it was a video segment. I mean, I in theory I could have played you the audio, but I'm not gonna... Anyway, point is I kind of screwed up how the sequence of the talk show might make sense for this show, and but I wanted to share it with you. So what you're gonna hear is the talk show uh, after Freddy, after the video and Freddy... Uh, Rivas we begin uh, you're going to begin anyway hearing the show from Aisha's uh, stand-up segment and then it goes into the Ann Kingston interview and performances by the weather station so that's what you're going to hear and um, I haven't mixed a live show before and I mixed this one myself and I made some mistakes I know it Uh, and I figured them out and uh, you're going to hear some of them the mistakes but uh, I think from here on in I have a better handle on how to do this and I just but I'm not it's not terrible but it's just anyway I'm I'm not upselling this episode very well I, I think it's entertaining enough you'll get a flavor for Long Winter and, and hopefully as we have a couple more episodes this year I'll share them with you and maybe you'll like them so this is an unusual episode but it does feature some uh, live comedy live music and an interview that's very interesting so so Stick with it. This is a a very special episode of this podcast because it reflects another show I have. Right? Long night with Vishkana. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas, or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerottis, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread, Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. All right, we're back at Long Night in the Great Hall. Thank you, bicycles. That was very good. You worked up a Michael Jackson song. You knew what Freddie was going to do, didn't you? That was good That was good Freddie was great Did you guys like uh, Freddie with the puppet thing (laughs) you. Oddly enough We have a bit of a Michael Jackson theme planned for next month Because I believe My only guest Currently booked Is Susan Fast Who just wrote A 33 and a third book About the album Dangerous So Don't get too excited Everybody (laughs) I have a person here Talking about Michael Jackson I thought that would be exciting Yeah for Valentine's Day. People weren't excited
4: about that album, apparently.
3: I, mean, I know, but that's what... Anyway, that's we can talk about it. Point. Yeah, so we'll, Susan Fast we'll will Come here.
4: next month, and you'll hear about it.
3: Yeah, no, it's good. I like uh, I like all this. It's going well. I think the show is going just fine. I'd like to keep saying that into the microphone in hopes that it'll come true for me. You know what it is? I just had a second child. I'm very tired. I've heard that happens. I normally am falling asleep now as I'm singing songs to my son. Uh, my others, my three-year-old, I got... it's. Do you so, ha-
4: are they all ACDC songs?
3: They're all ACDC songs right yeah. now. Yeah. He requests TNT. My, my three-year-old knows all the words to TNT. Am I a bad father? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's introducing
4: himself to strangers as Bon Scott. That's true. That might not be a great sign of your parenting direction. I think direction. it's good.
3: What's wrong with Bon Scott? Who likes ACDC? <laughs> they were the best. They are the best. I, I'm going to go see but them, I think. You know, young
4: child, who's, you know whose path you should follow?
3: This Australian
4: gentleman named Bond.
3: It's interesting hearing him scream, women to the left of me, women to the right. (laughs) Anyway, he's going to turn out just fine. It's going to be good. Our next guest is a hilarious stand-up comedian originally from Winnipeg via Nigeria. That is a terrible commute. (laughs) She now calls Toronto home, uh, and you may have seen her on MTV Canada and Much Music, and she's making her long-night debut... This evening, please make some noise for Aisha Alpha, everybody. Aisha Alpha.
5: Hey! Oh, that's really loud. How are you guys? That's like crazy loud. Yes. Um, I feel like I should stick with the Michael Jackson theme of the entire night for my entire set, so I'm just going to grab my crotch the whole time, if that's good with everybody. Um. No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm half black and half white. I was born in Nigeria and like, my dad is a very, very black man and my mom is a very, very white lady. Like you know, um, like a lot of people will say that they know like they have like a white friend but like you have that white friend who like, you know, burns really easily in the sun and then there's like the whiter version where like you can see like the, the veins in the arm, right? And then my, there's my mom where you can just see her organs functioning at all times. Like, when she was pregnant, she just, like, went to the doctor and lifted up her shirt, and I was in there, and I'm like, everything's getting here, you know? Um, and, like, they're they're just, they're just, they're so different, and they're so opposites. It's like, like, when you see them together, literally, people don't realize when I say one's black, one's white. It's like a shadow and a ghost made love, and this is what happened. <laughs> uh, and, like, they're just so, they're just so different. Like, my dad is Nigerian, and he, he, my mom is from rural Manitoba. Um, yeah, from a small town called Pipestone where there's, like, a sign with, like, changeable numbers for, like, when people leave the town change it. Um, and, like, here's the thing. Like, my, my, mom's family, my mom and my dad met and six months later got married. And my mom was 19, and then she moved to Nigeria, as you do when you're from, like, a rural town, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, her family was not really, like, supportive of it because it's, it's crazy. Like, she just met some dude and, like, moved away, and, and they thought she wasn't coming back. And um, they were really racist to my dad. Like, it it was 1973, right? That's just the way it was. But I know that my parents are truly in love and I know that my dad really loves my mom because he put up with so much stuff. Um, But it was a really tender moment they were telling me about when they brought my brother home from Nigeria for the first time. And he was the first grandchild born. So it was like this big moment. They were coming home to like present the most beautiful little like Chocolata baby to like (laughs) these old racists, right? (laughs) Like showed him. And they were talking about it. They're like, you know, it was really a a tense moment. You could, like, hear, like, a pin drop. Um, But everything was made better. Because you can't be mad about beautiful babies. Like, you have to soften your little cruel hearts, right? And they presented my brother to my grandparents. And my grandmother, like, looked at my father and attempted to give him an olive branch. And she just said, well, isn't this just the cutest little Negro I've ever seen? (laughs) But she didn't say Negro. So... Um, and my, they're still together, so you know that's true love right there, you know what I mean? If you can see through the hate, there's some true love in there. Um, I am single, no true love over here, yet, <laughs> right? Um, that's what everyone tells me. <laughs> um, anyway, no, <laughs> I'm single, and I actually, I like I don't mind, I like being single because it's fun, like you get to go on dates and stuff like that, which is good, um, the only thing I don't like is that, like, I, I, I'm really awkward and, like, nervous, and I've never had a one-night stand, and I think that on TV they look so cool, right? Don't they? Like, people, are like, like, hitting up against doors and, like, having sex in cabs and stuff. I'm like, I want to do that, you know? But I just, I'm too, like, I get awkward in the situation when the time comes, and I feel like maybe, I, I, I don't know, like, you know when you're having sex with someone, you want to be able to be free and say what you want to say and do what you want to do, but, like, if you don't know somebody, that's kind of risky because who knows? What you're, maybe you're like, my mama loves pork! And you're like, what? And like, It's embarrassing. Like, I don't want to have a one-night stand with someone and then they start like, telling all their friends and people about me and it's like weird stories are floating around, right? Um, so I found the solution because whenever I get my hair cut, they straighten my hair. And people don't recognize me when my hair's straight, even though it's just hair. But I'll walk up to my friends and I'm like, hey, and they're like, oh, hi, Aisha, too, too. oh my gosh, right? Um, so I decided that the next time I get my hair straightened, I'm going to go out and just, like, slut it up, you know? Because they're not going to recognize me a week later if they see me in the streets. That's the first time they've ever seen me, you know? I can say whatever I want in bed. totally safe. But I'm also a comedian, so I was like, that's a good plan. Or I go home with them, right? We do the sex. It's good. It's fun. And then when they fall asleep, I go and have a quick shower. (laughs) So this happens... And they wake up, and I'm like, ah, oh, my, right? And I'm just like, best one-night stand ever is what I'm thinking, is what I think. Um, I like, I like um, also being single because you get, you get hit on, you get picked up by guys, which is always, like, really fun. Um, but there's a real distinct difference between different types of guys. Like, I live at Queen and Ossington right here, where it's like, this is hipsterville, right? Like, there's just, like everyone's a hipster. Like, everyone's got a m- poorly mustache. And, like, even, like, the ladies, right? Like, everyone has that. Um, and, like, I don't understand. Like, I, like, it's a, like, it's a cool, it's a good look, but, like, I'm like, I don't, like, I'm like, oh, you're very handsome for 1927. Like, you know? I don't know. And I, the thing I really don't get, though, is, like, how, like, like a, when a hipster, like, tries to pick you up, because I, w- I saw this guy, and he was super cute, and I was walking past. like we, You know, we made the eye contact. We felt it each other, right? Um, but he just walked past me, and, like, his pickup line was just this. He walked and he's like, And I was like, did you just curtsy at me? To pick me? Like, I don't know what that means. I don't know if you want to, like, stab me or, like, stab me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> But I, lo- th- I love black guy pickups so, so much. Like, oh man, have you guys been picked up by a black guy? You, sir? No? Um, it's, it's amazing. It is the best pickup ever. Like, I, I was walking down the street and these two huge, beautiful black men were walking like, towards me, and the one guy just stopped and he goes, We've been watching you for 13 blocks. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I'm scared or turned on. Like, I don't know. But I had the best pickup I've ever had in my life when I was in New York, and um, I was kind of lost. And I saw this guy, this black guy, just posted up and he was just hanging out, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's just beautiful. But I was trying not to, like, you know, you got to be like kind of, you know, coy, right? So I was walking past and kind of like mm, wiggling a little more than I had to, you know. And then um, he came up to me though. And he's like, "Yo, girl, can I get your number?" And you have to be, you have to be coy. Cool. You have to be a lady, right? So I'm like, oh, "No, I don't know. I don't know if you can get it. <laughs> Roaming charges, right? Like, it's expensive." Um, <laughs> But he did the thing, the best thing I've ever seen a guy do to pick up a girl, he Michael Jacksoned me. Wait for it, this is totally in theme with the today's show, I think. But you know in the beginning of the thriller video, before things get all zombie, when like he like flips around and starts talking to her like dancing? This guy did that to me on the streets of New York. I was like walking and he's like, I'm like, oh, I can't give it to you. He flipped and he was just like, yeah, come on girl, come on, I'll give me your... Like, like 12 blocks later, still doing this. I tried to like shake and bake him, you know what I mean? Oh, he was on. He was very athletic, very athletic. Um, I just wrote my number on a piece of paper and like threw it one way and ran the other, you know? But he caught me and we had sex, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that, that's good. I don't know how my, I'm the worst at timing, but you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for being here and thanks so much for having me. Thank you. No, enough, Thank you.
3: Aisha Alpha, everybody. Aisha Alpha. All right, we'll be right back with Anne Kingston. Stay where you are. More to come on Long Night.
0: This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Gone Girl, Emptying the Skies, Citizen Four, *Agriel: The Wrath of God, Force Majeure, Birdman, and Boyhood, among other things. The Bookshelf is an independently-owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more info about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca.
3: If you enjoy the Creative Control podcast and want to support it with a monthly pledge, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol. That's patreo dot com slash creativecontrol with two Ks. You can pledge $1 a month, or $4, $8, $30, $50, $100 a month, whatever you want. There are gifts and incentives to pledge, but more than anything, you can keep this show going. There's no other revenue stream for this podcast. I've been doing it for my own fulfillment and to contribute something to the culture. But I think it's time to see if I can generate some kind of salary from all of this work. So, if you appreciate creative control, again... Please consider pledging a monthly amount. All of the info you need is at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. Very single Aisha Alpha, everyone. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. And Freddie. Freddie's back. Freddie Rivas. Nice to see you. Thank you very much. I neglected to uh, mention that, uh, Aisha, you host a, a... What is it? You, you do a show every, Friday, every first Friday?
5: Yeah, the first Friday of every month, I co-host... Um, a comedy show called Fro One Night Only at the Comedy Bar at 8 p.m. So come on down. We always have different themes and battles between two different groups of comedians.
3: And what's the next battle supposed to be?
5: Uh, the next one is comedy for lovers. So we have split up couples, and then they're going to have to battle it out. Okay. And they're going to have great makeup sex afterwards.
3: <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. And that's, that's
4: quite a show. That's on stage,
5: they're going to They're going to have the makeup sex on yeah. the show? Oh, nice, yeah. Nice, oh, nice. Yeah.
3: I pitched that concept to Long Winter, and they didn't go for it. I wanted to do that here.
5: Freddie, you want hey. to go? Yeah. yeah, let's do it.
4: He is very handsy out
5: here. <laughs> yeah. Can you bring the lamb chops when we do it? Sure, yeah, oh Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You chops. can follow Aisha <laughs> on,
3: on Twitter. Aisha Alpha on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, Alpha and
5: with an F, not a PH.
3: That's right. That's right. And then, Freddie, you do a thing. What do you do? I, got your, I lost yeah, your card. Yeah, I'm uh, Freddie with an F also. Uh, <laughs> no PH. Um, no, I, I run uh, rap battles. It's kind of like a regular show. Our five-year anniversary is <laughs> January 16th. It's a really good now. show. Thank you. Uh, I'm also running another show called The Scene, which is kind of like sketch comedy and characters. Uh, it's going to be at Bad Dog Theater. If anyone's, if you haven't nice. been to Bad Dog yet, it's an awesome place. So check it
4: out. Up on Blur. Yep, uh, it's like right. Uh, I think it's above the LCBO.
3: Yeah, Blue. is it really?
4: It's right or beside it. Right so beside, beside it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Okay. That's All how right. I locate things. <laughs> 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 well, that's great. I'm glad uh, you guys are here. Our next guest is the author of two books, The Meaning of Wife and The Edible Man, Dave Nichol, President's Choice in the Making of Popular Taste. Her storied career as a journalist has led her to her current post as a senior writer at Maclean's Magazine, where she recently wrote a thorough and compelling piece called Gian Gomeschi, How He Got Away With It. Please say hello to Anne Kingston. Nice to see you, Anne. Nice to see you. Now, you've never been to Long Winter before.
2: No, this is my first time, and I love it. It's fantastic.
3: Well, I'm glad, we're glad you're here. Now, we don't have a lot of time, and I want to get into this story. Uh, By the way, on Twitter earlier today, I assigned everyone here to read your article. Did anyone actually complete that assignment? Okay, so. (laughs) Nice. one, One prize student. No, it's an amazing, amazing story. Why? Why did this assignment come your way exactly?
2: Well, I think I was probably the most obsessive in the newsroom about it. I was very interested in the story, and it just—it's the sort of story I like to write. Um, It's—it was kind of a deconstruction of a moving story, so it's evolved that way. Okay, and why?
3: What? What? I mean, we're all—I don't know if people are still obsessed with it. I was obsessed with it. What obsessed you about this story exactly?
2: Well, I at when we kicked it off, we're talking, you know, to to go back to October, everything was happening really fast. There was this amazing day of a firing that seemed really quite odd, a lot of weird circumstances, and uh, then the allegations that rolled out in the Toronto Star that evening about, you know, this amazing... uh, list of women who came forward with allegations, so it was just ripe with all sorts of possibilities as a story.
3: It Absolutely. It was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Now, what was your impression of Gian before the scandal and before your investigation? Like, had you ever met him?
2: Yeah. I've been on queue probably more than a dozen times as a guest. Oh, you were
3: on the show a lot?
2: Yeah. Oh, I okay. And so I had a sense of the, the, the unit mm-hmm. itself. I didn't know about the malaise or just how unhappy it was there but certainly my experience there was that the producers worked really hard I there uh, was an amazing um, show my my uh, experience with Gian is, was absolutely great mm-hmm. I mean it was fine I always felt that interviews went smoothly
3: okay I you know I worked on Q for yeah a week. I know you did I worked for did you have
2: a sense of anything funny going on oh there? yeah you did?
3: <laughs> well, I don't want to be one of these people. There's a lot of us who have come out and been like, yeah, we knew something was weird, and it, it puts us in a weird position. But did you
2: know? That's what I... No. Guess. I mean,
3: we knew about the women, like, that he had a, you know, compulsion for younger women and would, right. would flirt with lots of people. And, um, I mean, I had a weird experience where the week, the weekend before I was due to work on the show last year, I was just doing backfill, filling in for someone. He texted me on the weekend. And he's like, hey... Buddy, uh, he always called me Buddy. He never said my name. You know? He probably didn't know your name. He didn't name. know my name. I was a big shot there in the building. <laughs> and he would say, hey, Buddy, it's great. You're coming next week. It's going to be excellent. I'm like, oh, well, thanks very much. And then when I got there, he didn't talk to me until Thursday. Like, just like a mind game mind thing. Mind game. Yeah, yeah, that was a recurring thing I found that kind of sure. weird. And, and power play. Yeah, he was, that, he was big into power plays. that that comes across in your story
2: absolutely on all sorts of levels for sure
3: now this, so sorry you do the investigation, this happens your impression before is that normal enough guy? No, I mean, I'm, oh. in the,
2: I'm in the media, so I'd heard stories, and I I knew about his dating habits, which, you know, everybody kind of gossiped about it, but nobody was going to call him on it, which is a recurring theme in the story, actually, because a lot of these things that seem to roll out were known. There was so much willful blindness in this story, particularly yeah. at the CBC, so that a lot of his habits um, were, you know, quite repugnant to people. I'm not talking about the dating of younger women. That was sort of just the the tip of the iceberg. But I think that, um, yeah, I'm,
3: it was an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah. James, you, you work in the media. Uh,
4: I do, sometimes.
3: <laughs> had you heard anything? Like, did you, did you hear uh, rumblings of stuff? I,
4: I wouldn't say. I've had very little direct contact. I mean, um, you know, he hosted the first Polaris Prize, and, and uh, so I've been involved in that for a long time, and- you know, I think Shyango should just cut your mic. Whoa, oh no. Uh, you guys, okay? Are we okay? He's. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he um, he has a certain smarmy charm that I find a little bit uh, unattractive. Right. Okay. But, but, yeah, uh, but so I would just avoid him. I mean, so I, you know, I have friends him, who were who were close to him, and and I would just be like, oh, you know, I met a cocktail party that he's also at. I'm just not going to go to that side of the room. Right, right.
3: And go ahead, Andy.
4: No, but
2: the thing, what was interesting about delving into this story was the fact that there was so much that go... We went back to his York University days um, yeah. and found out all sorts of amazing things about... The, his. He was there, it seemed like, for 10 years. But he was the president of the Student Council. He was a very kind of powerful figure. He was this, you know, avowed feminist. He was out at... Femi- fe- he identified himself as a feminist. He was very strategic. Um, and if you actually drilled down into every aspect of his life, it was really this fascinating pathology study of a path.
5: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcarecom loss. That's PlushCare.com/weightloss. PlushCare.com/weightloss.
2: Pathology at work.
3: Yeah, and, and that's part of why this has been so shocking. This idea of hiding in plain sight. Um, he this is like he cultivated this progressive, uh, you know, personality, I suppose. And that's why people are really, really shocked by this complete sort of 180.
2: Well, that's right. That was a public veneer. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, his own needs to promote himself and to advance his career and to be seen as progressive dovetailed perfectly, or he fed the CBC's need at the, that particular time to draw younger viewers to be seen as hip. I mean, if you look, at, if you look back, his, his band... Um,
3: Moxie
2: Fruvis was the Morningside house band. So you can't get really less hip than being Morningside's house band, right. right? However, that was his entry point, and he exploited it. He wanted to be, I think he called himself the Brown Peter Zosky. And they loved it. The, su- the suits at the CBC ate it up.
1: Right.
3: I wonder if I could be the Brown Peter Zosky. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like a good precedent to follow. You guys uh, are comedians. Yes. <laughs> just, I just want to point that out. <laughs> I'm not. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Gian was in the band Moxie Fruvus. Did, did you guys find that band funny? <laughs> uh, I certainly did. The King of Spain, I think is a hilarious song.
5: Really? They be, what is it? Baby are you being sincere? Of, of authors?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I always thought it was uh, funny, and I guess I never took Moxie Fruvus too seriously, but
6: yeah, I mean, I thought yeah. they were kind of a silly band. I guess. Well, they
3: were a silly band, I yeah. think. They are. What about you? Are you, were, Did you ever encounter Gian, Aisha?
5: No encounter. Oh, so, sorry. So.
3: I don't know. You're traveling around in your single um, ways no. with your hair and stuff. Yeah, I just wonder.
5: Just me and my hair traveling. No. I ne- no, I never met him. My brother, my brother interviewed him. My brother works for CBC in Manitoba. Oh, okay. And um, Sean made some passes at my brother. No, he didn't. Um, he uh, no, he. But he said he he found him to be like he interviewed him and his sister because they wrote the book together. That's right. And um, he said it felt like almost with words he was basically like more of me, like pushing people out of the way, mm-hmm. sort of very power well, attention. Well, and Anne's
3: piece, his ego, like that's that's. The, so okay, there's a few things I want to get to. We don't have a lot of time, but this idea of hiding in plain sight, trust. I feel like one of the big things here is that our trust in Canadian institutions' personalities has just been devastated by this because I think a lot of people outside of our circles really trusted him. And my question was going to be, can you out anyone else that <laughs> we should be aware of? Like, are, What do we do with this information?
2: When I was, re- He is not singular in the CBC in terms of being demanding. They're, and in fact, I spoke with a number of people who were almost militant about outing other... Um, high-profile men at the organization. There's a sense of frustration and anger, so I don't know if that's going to go anywhere. But in terms of what do we do about it, Um, The problem is that the CBC is under siege right now, and um, we've seen just epic mismanagement. I mean, it's like they've taken a management manual about how to deal with the crisis and done everything opposite. It's like opposite day at the CBC, whereas in fact, there are so many really talented, committed people, as you know, working there. And we're not hearing, we're just hearing this kind of, we're, we're watching this theatrical you know, kind of implosion go yeah. on. Um, and in terms of what we do, I mean, unless there's wholesale change at the top, and that's not happening because nobody's taking accountability. Well, except and that
3: Chris Boyce, one of the oh, well, what? Yeah, He was I suspended. D-
2: he was suspended, whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that the, the problem is more fundamental. The problem goes with the Harper government, really, in terms of funding, in terms of, you know, there are lots of issues, but Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> well, it, it's about...
3: Well, I mean, actually, you led very nicely into my questions about the CBC and its complicity in this and, and how it can recover because I, it does seem like the timing of this is really bad given that the CBC has been cutting all these cuts and is really in bad shape, and this happens. its Its image is tarnished terribly.
2: I don't think the two things are unrelated, and I I wrote a bit about that, and I've I've written subsequently about it in the CBC, I wrote a piece later about what's going on at the CBC now. And I think that what we're seeing is what enabled Gomeshi. He had lots of enablers at the CBC, people who chose to look the other way when his behavior was just blatant and unacceptable on a human level. And I think that, um, you know, that enabling was happening at, at, at a point where, you know, funds were everything was being slashed. He was the marquee guy at the CBC. They it, they put all of their eggs in that basket, yeah. and then you know because they wanted viewers, they wanted to seem relevant, and they weren't really it, that was that was a metric. It was a private broadcasting metric that they were following. So unless somebody comes in benevolently to, you know, redesign somebody really smart, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, it depends on what happens in the election year, I
3: suppose. It's a bit confusing because as uh, someone who worked at CBC and w- was on the radio, um, they tell you to assert yourself, to, you know, create a persona or personality.
2: People listen to people. They don't yeah. listen to a show if right. they identify with the person.
3: Right, and so in investing all of this time and effort into Xi'an, in cultivating this personality, who was very successful. Like, the show was...
2: And he exploited that.
3: And he exploited that. I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm confused about how, how they trust their next host, you know, how they trust the next generation of hosts, like, to devote all that energy and effort and then have it backfire. I mean, they gotta be wary of that.
2: Well, and the problem is the same people are making the decisions which is um, Chris Boyce is gone, but he wasn't the only player in this story, for sure. And I know
3: Chris, by the way, and he's always been super nice.
2: Everyone at radio likes him very much, yeah. so it's 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 far more complicated. I mean, he had his own bosses and needs, and the thing is, he wasn't looking... It's a hugely bureaucratic organization. It's yeah. run like ExxonMobil or something. It's incredibly... Mm. It's, no, it's not, actually. It's run like the government. It, it's like... Um, visiting the Kremlin. It took me about a week to figure out the power, like who worked for whom. It, right. There's that many levels to it.
3: In your investigation, did you hear anything about me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Were they like, you should check out Buddy? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the support. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no. But
2: I do have a... Now, now I have a new angle to receive <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, what is? Uh, oh, sorry. Are you still following this case professionally? You wrote this epic piece. Uh, that, that you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. But have you? Do you continue to follow the case on a, uh, a professional level? Do you plan to write more about what's going well, see, on?
2: See, I, I was in court this week. Um,
3: you were in the court. Oh, for the for the.
2: Yeah, I, I, I am. I am covering it. I'm not. I'm, I'm working on other things, but right. I'm certainly interested in seeing what happens at the CBC. What happens with. Um, the Gomeshi case, which looks like it will take, you know, about a year or so. They to seem to, to
3: keep bringing him to court to schedule other court appearances. Yeah, they're,
2: they're stopping doing that. It's just, it's like, it's a horrible experience actually being in, in court. I've uh, been there twice. It's like the village mob with the pitchforks out. It's, a, it's not. Yet you side. continue to go. I go because I'm reporting it. I'm, right. I, and there was news this week, right?
3: So what did we learn this week?
2: Three more women have come forward to make charges, and there will be more.
3: You think there'll be more? Yeah. Did you divulge everything you knew in that initial piece? Like, have you talked to other Well, you victims? never
2: divulge everything you know. I mean, there are certainly things that were lawyered out mm-hmm. that I'm going to continue to look
3: into. And you just, you know there's going to be more, more women.
2: I don't, I, okay. I don't know.
3: No, you heard it here first, everyone. Anne <laughs> Kingston.
2: No. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised.
3: What else are you working on? You say you're working on other stuff.
2: I'm actually working on something, a big story, that is kind of tangential about sexual violence. Hmm. So this, you know, this is the other part of the Gomeshi story. It has kind of unleashed all these conversations. So I'm tracking down that.
3: On some level, there has been a positive aspect to this terrible thing. I mean, some people say that this Gian thing precipitated renewed interest in what Bill Cosby was up to.
2: Absolutely it did. Yeah. Absolutely it opened up the conversation on social media. And I think it's so interesting because I, I what the, I talked to this guy at, who was with him on student council at York University, and he said we all used to hate him because he figured out how to fuck women using feminism. But what <laughs> happened now is that he has Aisha unle- is
3: laughing, by the way. <laughs> That's a funny thing. That is a funny. Yeah. He,
2: yeah. Uh, but he unleashed this whole feminist conversation. His, yeah. his kind of his allegedly bad behavior, criminal behavior. Um, has opened up a conversation that has been waiting to happen.
3: Yeah, I think that's the only silver lining we can see thus far. Right. Yeah. Well, Anne, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want, you can follow Anne on Twitter, at Anne underscore Kingston, right? Right. That's you, Anne Kingston from McLean's Magazine. (laughs) Thank you, Anne. All right, we're going to take a very short commercial break, and then the weather station will be performing. Stay where you are. Thank you.
7: CFRU 93.3 FM is 35 years old and they're celebrating with a series of parties and party-like events designed for people who know how to party. On January 22nd, Brian Borchardt and Graham Walsher Holy Fuck are doing DJ sets in between rounds of Golden Throats Karaoke at the Brass Taps at the University of Guelph. This is free and accessible and all are welcome. On January 23rd, we're live broadcasting a noon-hour concert by the Soul Jazz Orchestra at the University Center. On January 26th, we celebrate Wayne Grisky's birthday by doing a live broadcast from the bowl ring between 2 and 5 p.m. featuring CFRU alumni. On January 28th, Grand Analog performed at Anuna in the University Center and we're broadcasting that. In January 30th, February 27th, March 27th, and April 17th, CFRU is presenting a series of events of silence in downtown Guelph. For more information and to tune into some of this stuff, please visit CFRU.ca
0: and remember, it's never too late to learn to party. Coming up with Starlight in Waterloo, Lowell and the Bjorn Borg Collective are in town on January 15th while Toronto's cattle are at Jane Bond on January 24th. The Starlight is located at 47 King Street, and the Jane Bond is around the corner at 005 Princess Street in Waterloo. For complete listings and information, visit starlightsocialclub.ca.
3: Everybody, we're back. Welcome back to Long Night. Uh, How's everybody doing out there? Are you enjoying the show? It's nice to see you. Hey, bicycles, how are you doing? Good. How about a hand for the bicycles, everybody? You got Andy back from tour. Andy was on tour with Biblical. How was your tour? Long? Night? Thank you very much. Are you guys thirsty at all? Like, do you need a drink or anything? Really? You sure? Because I have something for you. Oh my God. Well, do we have uh, presents for. I had some custom made band mugs made for the bicycles. I have the host mug. Thought we'd do a little Christmas thing after Christmas. Do you care that we're doing this right now? I just wanted to give the band some presents. I didn't think you'd care. I don't. You don't mind, do you? No, No. I didn't think so. What do you think? Are they okay? You're welcome. How about a hand for me, everybody? (laughs) long winter provides alright I want to do a a quick thing here first of all I want to thank uh, Anne Kingston from McLean's Magazine for being on tonight's show also Aisha Alpha comedian Aisha Alpha puppeteer Freddie Revis Freddie Revis was great James Keese my sidekick and the bicycles I just want to thank everyone now our next guest is uh, someone I'm a great admirer of, and she just put out a new EP. I have a copy of it right here. I don't know. Did you bring any? Yeah. You do. So this is a beautiful new EP called What Am I Going to Do with Everything I Know? And I urge you all... Do you have copies for sale for real? Okay. Yeah, you can maybe pick one up after. it's.
6: I have, like, a bag in the dressing room.
3: Okay. I don't think we should invite everyone to the dressing room, because i that's where my other pants are, and I... If you can see her after her songs, that would be great. It's great. And, you know, she was just on my podcast this week, and I learned something really amazing about her that I had never heard before. Uh, She is actually from just outside of Orangeville. It's true. It's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in saying hello to the weather station.
6: As a... uh Songwriter, I, I struggled to stay relevant to current events. Um, so I wrote this song about uh, Gian Gameshi. But long before anything was revealed, I just had a total thing that I understood what was happening. I was just prescient, and I wrote this song about the Gian Gameshi situation. Yeah, no, it's not funny. <laughs>
1: shy women You and I shy from one too well Every time as though it were mine The bitterness that you had so well I say nothing at all thinking of your pride and I tell you that you look well You're all your eyes We sit down together By the window Talking about the weather I should've told you How you look so alive And elegant In the low sunlight Shoulders wide As though in readiness to fight Something you never even Never ask for too much. No, you can get by on almost nothing. You and I, forever bluffing and ever so kind. Shy woman, shy.
6: I realized as I started singing that, that it might seem as though I was singing this beautiful song to John Gomeshi himself. Um, It was addressed to a a woman who who is shy, uh, a shy woman. That's why it's called Shy Women. I should just hire Vish to talk for me. (laughs) Everyone does, I think. All right, I'll play one more song. Sorry the guitar is too loud. No. I have people for that. <laughs> this one's off the dressing room, the dressing room special. If you're interested, I'll be behind the dark curtain in the corner with a pocket full of fives.
1: (laughs) I slept on couches, other people's houses, overwhelmed and borrowed. I went through their records. They had piles of bills and letters and all these photographs of people I would never meet. Laid out in the light. understand. for coffee Could be how it feels Irreversibly Free Thank you.
3: One more time for the weather station, everybody. From Toronto, Ontario. again this is the latest release by the weather station it's called what am I going to do with everything I know it's wonderful and tomorrow has copies of it up in the dressing room so everybody up there or do you have some down here she'll get some so please go see her I want to very quickly thank Ben Kehoe and Dave McKinnon for doing sound well for being the best fake talk show assistant ever Josh Zucker all the long winter crew the bicycles Thank you for being here. More information about Long Winter. Oh, Linda, the applause lady. <laughs> You're the only one who got unsolicited applause tonight. That's unbelievable. Also, James Keist, everybody who helps put this show together. will be. Yeah, sure, how about a hand for James? We'll be back here next month, February 13th is the next uh, installment of Long Winter and Long Night. For more information go to torontolongwinter.com or, long, or you can follow us on Twitter at longwinterto and you can follow me at vishkana I've lost 15 followers in the last two weeks Only 15 James says, I don't know why I thought you could all follow me and make up the difference <clears throat> Hashtag flex Ladies and gentlemen we will see you next month. And Stay tuned for more great stuff at Long Winter. Bicycles!
0: Long Night with Vish Khanna was recorded in front of a live audience at Toronto's Great Hall. For more information about future tapings, visit torontolongwinter.com.